0: This is a KSHSAA production.
1: First down from the 17 is where they mark it officially. Here's Hancock breaks back at the 15 10
2: 5 touchdown.
3: Down to the other end, misses. Shot will go up the gun. And Eudora comes from way behind and goes crazy.
0: Thank you for joining us on this eight-man football preview show for our eight-man state championships coming up November 22nd. And just real quickly, those matchups for you will be at 11 o'clock. Attica-Argonia, the cooperative agreement between the two schools, will take on Victoria High School, who is at 11-1, and Attica-Argonia has a perfect season of 12-0 right now. and They're looking for their first state championship with that cooperative agreement. And Victoria High School, they're looking for their sixth state championship. And they've had some 2 one they experienced there in 1981, 1985, and 1988. Then they moved into the eight man ranks. On the other side of the 8-man is the Division I game that will take place at 3-30, and that is between Hanover, the 12-0, versus Central Plains, who is also 12-0, and Central Plains is looking for that first state championship since Bushton and Claflin has combined there for that football team, and then Hanover will be looking for their fourth state championship as they also had some 2-1A experience in there at the state championship ranks. Both games can be viewed on the KSHSAA Network live and for free. So go to the KSHSAAnetwork.com for all that action. Both games will be played in Newton, Kansas on Fisher Field. Be sure to be there early and, and cheer on those eight-man teams. This episode, we are joined by a media member in those towns for those eight-man schools so we can get a preview of what their season was like, what their playoff run was like, and what, what you can expect in the state championship game from that school. And These are from the media members that cover them either play-by-play on the radio or, or in the print throughout the year. We're going to kick things off by getting a preview of Victoria High School of the eight-man Division II game that starts off at 11 o'clock. We'll get this eight-man championship preview started off with the eight-man division two game, and and we go to Mike McKenna at KRSL and Russell Radio. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us.
3: Absolutely, great to uh, be along here this afternoon.
0: Mike's going to preview uh, some Victoria High School football with us uh, for the state championship in the eight-man division two. And before we get to the championship game, Mike, kind of take us back through the regular season for the Victoria Knights. It was uh, the the community really expected this team to, to do well this season coming off of a regional runner-up season that returns five offensive and six defensive starters uh, for the Knights.
3: Absolutely. And I'll tell you, they've done a great job here this year. You know, one thing after last season, you kind of wonder where this team was going to be at uh... – it wasn't so much of a skill position question for them. It was more on the offensive and defensive lines, and they've just gotten better and better over the course of the season. And I really think their regular season schedule helps set them up to what you're seeing already over the last two weeks to get to today's state championship game. Uh, for them, they lost to Central Plains, who, by the way, is playing for the 1A Division 1 state championship. Uh, and they lost in their season opener there to the Oilers. Since then, they rolled off 11 straight victories, and they had three just huge victories in the regular season. All came back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, and they were all in district play, beating Northern Valley 48 nothing, Beloit St. John's Tipton 68-56, and they topped perennial eight-man power, Thunder Ridge uh, 58-34. That's a team from Victoria. They're used to playing tough schedules. This year, Three teams that they played against over the course of their nine-game regular season made the playoffs, and so you could argue that that schedule could have been five because Northern Valley and Thunder Ridge easily could be playing in the playoffs as well. That was a really, really tough district, and, and really, to be honest, it set the stage for what they've done for the last two weeks.
0: And then we go into the playoffs, and we looked at Victoria High School as no, as no stranger to the playoffs. In the 80s, we were, they were in the 2A and 1A battles all throughout that, won a few state championships, and they come to the eight-man side. They win some state championships there in 2004, 2006, and, and runner-up in 2008. They're back in the championship game this year. So the playoff experience throughout the school is very rich and tradition. Uh, this, this young team, though, throughout these last few games of the playoffs has grasped that tradition and carried it on nicely.
3: Yeah, it's amazing what tradition does. I mean, it just winning breeds winning. You you just see that come along so much and I think that helps so much in the playoffs and for Victoria, uh they just They went through the different gamuts of this playoff run. It's been fun to watch them because they had to come from behind to beat Hoxie in the first round, a game that they very easily could have just kind of thrown their hands up in the air after going down 12-0. Hoxie really put a good one-two punch against them, but uh, they rallied to beat Hoxie 34-20 in the first round, and I think that really kind of clicked the button here for this team to really get uh, their level of play up to another level because you saw it on the following game on that Saturday in the second round of the playoffs when they went to Mineola some two and a half hours away. The distance didn't affect them. They jumped out to a 28 nothing lead and took down a one-loss team at that point on the road 64-12 to in a game that was called at halftime. That was an impressive victory on each side of the ball for Victoria. And then what was even more impressive was when they turned back around and it was Sharon Springs-Wallace County, the state runner-up from a year ago. They overcame two early turnovers deep on their own side of the field. They scored a touchdown right before halftime. Three more in the third quarter and beat Wallace County 28-12 to and. So the offense was good that night, but was even more impressive was the defense. Last week on Friday for Victoria, they held a Wallace County team that had averaged just over almost 300 yards a game to 74 total yards, and 14 of that was in the first half. I tell you, their defense is playing really, really well going into the state championship game.
0: And I, you're exactly right. I was going to bring up the defense. If we look at Sharon Springs' run through the playoffs this year, they won 46 nothing. 52-6, and then Victoria shuts them down for just 12 points. And so the defense is obviously playing really strong. If someone shows up this Saturday in Newton and watches Victoria, what can they expect to see on the offensive side and their style of play for the Knights?
3: Well, you look at Victoria, it's, it's really a very balanced offense. They throw the ball very well with their junior quarterback, Brady Dinkle, and they also run the ball very well with Brady Dinkle. He's a great dual threat quarterback on the season. He's completing 53% of his passes, 19 touchdowns, five interceptions, but he's ran for 16 touchdowns this year. And in the playoffs, he just stepped up his game so much. He's been huge in the three games of the playoffs, eight passing touchdowns, six on the ground and he's led an offense that averages 46 points a game mostly it's it's a it's an option offense they'll step back and they'll throw the ball a little bit but uh, it's power football at its finest it's fun to watch it in a man and this team on the offensive side with Brady Dinkle leading the helm has really done a nice job on that side coming up with big plays when they really needed it.
0: Well, Mike, thanks for the preview for the eight-man uh, Division Two game on the Victoria side. Uh, we look forward to seeing you down in Newton and, and uh, listening to KRSL fans for the Victoria call, and, and we'll catch up with you later, okay?
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me here today. I think it's going to be a great game. It's a great defense. It's playing really well right now against an Attica-Argonia team offense. that is really, really electric, too. It's, it's going to be a great contest to watch on each side.
0: It should be fun. All right. On the other side of that matchup with Victoria High School is the Attica Argonia Cooperative Agreement in football and the eight-man Division II championship. And for that preview, we kind of we bring in Lane Hess, who is on ninety-seven point five KPAK. Uh, Lane, thanks for joining us.
4: Yeah, I'm glad to be
0: here. Uh, Lane, we just kind of wanted to go through the, the regular season real quick with Attica Argonia. kind of take us through what you saw in the regular season that kind of led to this championship run. I know we can kind of see they had one uh, close game with Cedarville-Dexter. And then after that, you know, there wasn't much uh, of a close game involved, and and their defense kind of stepped it up late in the regular season as well. Yeah, I mean, it's
4: it's exactly like you said. These two two schools came together uh, last year, and they could have been in the playoffs last year. Uh, But due to a buffer rule, they had to wait one year before entering the playoffs. And, uh, you know, these two schools, before they combined, they did not have a lot of luck. They had a lot of, uh, you know, losing seasons. But something about bringing the two teams together, uh, it's really worked for them well. They've got several talented players. They've got a good uh, coaching staff. And uh, they just use a lot of their speed and they execute very well. And we saw that early on. You know, they came right out the gate. They were putting up a lot of points on the board. And uh, they had that one game versus Cedarville Dexter, like you said, and then they just kind of took off. Uh, you did make a good point there about their defense. That was one uh, critique we had uh, at 97-5 was they really needed to, even though they were so good at scoring points, they needed to step it up on defense, and they really started doing that. And uh, they kind of carried it into the playoffs, not quite as much as the last few games, but they've been doing pretty well so far.
0: And we talk about getting into the playoffs. Obviously, they started off playing uh, Leroy Southern Coffee County, and they put up 84 points and just outstanding numbers offensively. And then followed that up with a good performance against Scandia Pike Valley, and then a very good against a very good Axel team. But they they handled them pretty well. Uh, so this last few games in the playoffs, what has led you to believe that has made the push here to the championship game?
4: Well, when you talk about this team, a lot of people think after looking at some of the statistics, you know, looking at some of the earlier games, they see Alec McDaniel, the quarterback, a lot. You know, he's got by far the most yards on the team. They think coming in that they can just shut him down and they've effectively uh, beaten uh, Atta Cardonia and that's just not the case. Uh, in fact, it's opened up a lot of doors for them. A lot of people, they like to run the option a lot, and people really bite hard on Alec McDaniel and uh, leave Newberry, for example, wide open, or Garrett Wells wide open, and uh, all of them, all of those guys that touch the ball for Atacaragonia, they don't just run. Uh, You know, you might notice they're kind of light guys. They don't have too much weight, but they run like bigger guys. Uh, They have a lot of power. They keep their feet driving, and they also have a lot of agility and uh, acceleration. Like Newberry is very good at running to the sideline and then just turning it up and turning the jets and running down the sideline. You know, what looked like was only going to be a two- to, or three-yard play, he can turn into a, you know, an eight- to ten-yard play easily.
0: And as we get into this championship game, uh, you know, if we look back at the school's history, you said before, you know, apart, a, a they didn't have great success, but, you know, in 1987-1988, Attica was able to get to the championship games in, in eight-man, and so they come together, they're at the championship game now. Um what do you think are the keys to victory? And I know I'm not saying you know all the ins and outs of Victoria High School, but what do you think Attica Argonia needs to do in this championship game to be successful?
4: Well, um, I think they really just need to do what they've been doing uh, so far this year, which is uh, execution, uh, staying, you know, level headed. Like like we were just saying, these two teams, you know, that have come together, they didn't have a lot of experience. Uh, with even winning seasons here recently and uh, that really you know you would think a team like that experiencing such a great season would start to get a little cocky and uh, you know a little big headed about it but they really haven't they kept their heads on straight they play very classy ball and uh, one thing other than a little bit of defensive issues that they kind of ironed out later in the season uh, they really execute well Uh, this isn't just a team with Uh, one or two athletic guys. This is a team that functions very well as a unit on offense and defense. They pick up their assignments very well. They play their roles the way they're supposed to. And I think if they do that and, uh, you know, keep their humble attitude that they've kept so far, uh, I don't really think that there's much Victoria can do to stop them.
0: Well, that's a good insight on Attica, Argonia for the eight-man Division Two championship against Victoria uh, Lane. Thanks for joining us again. You can catch their broadcast on ninety-seven point five KPAK. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you down there on Saturday. Okay? Thank you. Anytime. We'll get things started with the eight-man Division One preview, and for that, we go to Washington County News and, and talk to Jeff Wirtz, who has been covering Hanover High School. Jeff, thanks for thanks for joining us.
2: Well, thank you coming on.
0: And and Jeff, I just w- kind of wanted to go back and recap the regular season for Hanover. They're they're a very young team, so I think the community and, and the state was thinking, okay, what what can we expect from Hanover? And right away, we saw with the first game of the year, they they came out and, and kind of thumped Axtell fifty two to twelve, and that kind of set the tone for the season to say, hey, you know, the Wildcats are here to contend for for a state championship.
2: Definitely, and I think. As you said, that first game, there were still a few question marks to what exactly this Hanover team was going to be about. Getting team, excuse me, getting players into the correct positions and how the depth chart was really going to work out. Of course, you know you do that all summer long trying to figure out how things are going to work, but if you don't get to playing time. You really don't know, and I think that first game, as you said, was a very good barometer of what Hanover was about, taking that win over Axel.
0: And going through the regular season, is there something that you kind of you, – you noted, you said the depth chart needed to iron itself out, and obviously they, they had some good success with that. You know, they finished up with Osborne in the regular season, um, but – what did you see throughout the season that kind of has contributed to their success?
2: Offense, 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 offense. You're looking at a team that scored never less than 50 points in a game. They just hit you and hit you hard as quickly as possible. Um, And we, we saw that in this previous game, scoring their highest total of the year. Uh, It's just such a fast pace and such an effective team right now that is really going so, so well.
0: And you mentioned the points, and I know points aren't too uncommon in eight-man football, but Hanover is scoring a great deal of them, especially, and it hasn't changed here in in the playoffs. Finish up with Osborne, the defending state champion. We beat them... Then Hanover comes around, and we start the playoffs. So talk about this run in the playoffs. They've scored 70, 62, and the last game was 74 again against Osborne. Um, So the playoffs haven't slowed this Hanover team down at all.
2: No, definitely not. And uh, you speak of the Osborne game. In the first match between the two in the uh, regular season, Hanover started very slow in that game, and it really showed in the final uh, a 54 to 26 win for Hanover. They started very slowly in that game and, uh, came around eventually. They were not going to let that happen in the, uh, the game this past weekend. They came out and scored in the first, I believe, two minutes of the game. They had put up 14 points already. So a, uh, a big offensive Uh, that they were not going to let the same thing happen twice and get behind a very good Osborne team.
0: And as we talk about that, we beat Osborne to move on to the state championship game. Can you, you know, Hanover has been to the state championship game before, you know, in 1979 they're in the 2A, they won 2A. Uh, then they got into the eight-man thing of 2007, 2008, 2009, three state years of playing in the championship game, winning two of those. So give us some give us some players to watch in this championship game against Claflin, and, and what, are, what do they need to do oh, to be victorious?
2: It really all centers around their quarterback, Andrew Bruner. He has been so spectacular this year, both through the air and on the ground. Um, almost 1,700 yards passing this year for Bruna. He has touchdowns to interceptions. He has 33 touchdown passes and only three interceptions. So just an incredible number for him there. It really, it in all centers around Bruna, and as well as some great backers, uh, the rushing game, and it's such a balanced offense, the rushing game is actually much better than that. They have several players, um, I believe four players, that are over 200 yards rushing, led by Preston and He has over 900 on the year, uh, including 19 touchdowns, so... Any way that you want to go with this offense, they are very, very good.
0: Well, Jeff, uh, thanks for a little preview on the Hanover Wildcats. Uh, they'll look to stay undefeated, uh, 12-0, and looking for that 13th win. Of course, Claflin can say the same. They're 12-0 and as well. Jeff, thanks for taking time to give us a little preview of Hanover, and we'll look forward to Saturday.
2: Excellent. I'm looking very much forward Saturday's game. Thank you for having me on.
0: Taking a look at the other half of the 8-man Division 1 championship game. We go over to Patrick Burnett at KVGB FM in Great Bend at Patrick, thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, no problem Jeremy. Love for a chance to talk about these great kids from Central Kansas. Well, and we talk about the Central Plains Oilers and their
0: 12 0 on the season and going into the the season, it was kind of a, a possibly a young team that would be contributing to the Oilers' season, and and we've kind of noticed that as being a trend in this eight-man championship. As Hanover's is a very young team as well, so it might have been a little just like we th- talked about with Andover. It could have been a little iffy as what's going to transpire here but uh, they came out and beat Victoria pretty handily in the first game and obviously Victoria is in the championship game for the 8 man division 2 so kind of I know you didn't cover the regular season as much as you were with Great Bend High School but what did you notice throughout the regular season that kind of sparked your interest for the Oilers
1: well, Jeremy, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, people here in the central Kansas area kind of knew that this was going to be a special team that Central Plains um, had coming up, you know, for so many years before the the merger of Claflin High School and Quivera Heights High School. Both of those two schools had deep pockets of uh, great athletes for many, many years, and uh, you know, back when these two schools um, formed to become Central Plains in 2011, uh, head coach Chris Steiner knew what he was getting into. That very first year, they made a playoff run and got beat by South Grey, 52 to six in the playoffs and Central Plains had gotten back to the second round of the playoffs every year except uh, this year. This was the first year they were able to advance farther in the playoffs and we kind of knew last year when Central Plains got bounced in the second round by Hodgman County they had so many kids coming back. They had a lot of sophomores and a, just a very few seniors on that squad. And so uh, when you're led by a sophomore quarterback and his best receiver is a junior and all your linemen are uh, sophomores and, and, and you know, one senior that year, you know they're going to be strong. So it was no big surprise around our area that Central Plains made the run that they did. You mentioned the, the win over Victoria early on. They won that game 42-24. They did lose some key members to their team that they've slowly started to get back and get them healthy throughout the rest of this season, Um, but again, it was no big surprise. Here in central Kansas, a lot of people thought that this team was going to be a a team of destiny, so to say, and it's really uh, kind of came to fruition so far with this good run that they've had off to a 12-0 season.
0: And we looked at the regular season, and we mentioned that they kind of kind of walked through it. They had a close game against Little River. I guess I say closest, their closest game, a 22 to six victory. Uh, but then we kind of get into the playoffs here. Uh, you know, it's almost when you get in the playoffs, it's it's a new season. But uh, Claflin has has continued the success, and they had a close one against Spearville there in the regionals. So that's their closest game, a two point win. What can you comment about that game?
1: You know, Jeremy, going into that game, here at least in the western half of Kansas, there was so much excitement and so much buildup about this game. Many people thought whoever won that game was going to be the West representative and the eight-man Division One champions, and it turns out that they were right. You had two undefeated teams. In Central Plains and Spearville, that were coming together, and uh, it really was an exciting ball game. From the very first offensive play of the game, Spearville fumbled the ball. Central Plains then picked it up, they drove 10 plays. In 36 yards and almost a five-minute drive, which is almost unheard of in eight-man football, um, nice. and Jacob Warnken scored a two-yard touchdown. Braden Kreitz added the two-point conversion, and Central Plains was off to an eight-nothing lead. They built a 14-nothing lead, but as good championship teams do, Spiritville fought back. This game was close all the way, even to the point to where Central Plains. Took a lead early in the fourth quarter at the 8:35 minute mark. Took a four-point lead on the very next play from scrimmage. The combination of quarterback Braden Kreitz and wide receiver Lane Beberly hooked up. These two kids have made beautiful magic this season. As Beberly has caught 46. 46- receptions for 1,007 yards and 25 touchdowns. Braden Kreitz has thrown for 35 touchdowns, almost 2,000 yards. That was a 54-yard touchdown pass that totally changed the game after Spearville had gotten their very first lead of the game. After that point, Central Plains never trailed. They went on to win it 42-40, to which has been the most exciting game that I've had a chance to broadcast here in, in this area all season long. And so once that W was recorded, um, we knew Ness City was going to be a good team as well. But th- again, the general consensus, at least in the western half of Kansas, was whoever won that matchup between Spearville and Central Plains would represent the West, and and so far that that's lived true. With Central Plains now getting a shot uh, to play for the eight-man Division I title.
0: And before we preview uh, some keys to victory for the championship game, uh, we you talked about the consolidation between Bushton and Claflin. Uh, Claflin very rich tradition, uh, you know, five state championships, eleven appearances in the state championship game, and then they consolidate with Bushton, who also is is very uh tradition rich it was very it was i know it was a touchy thing there in that part of the the state but uh so do you see that these two communities are saying okay we're back at it uh playing some eight man football just like we know how
1: oh absolutely jeremy uh you know these two teams uh, these two communities and and, and uh, that have come together to form this uh really it's a powerhouse here in central Kansas, and uh, many people that have followed. Um, football in this area just absolutely knew that this was going to be coming. Um, you think of the last team that represented their school in the state title game, a lot of people just instinctively would think of Claflin, of the glory days that Dave Webb had uh, for many years there in Claflin. But that is not the case. It was actually Quivira Heights was the last team to represent these two individual schools before they consolidated, and it was actually – Hanover, in, in that who uh, Quivera Heights played in a state championship game. So for many years, I mean, you can go back and uh, you know to the to the archives and find. Great athletes, great teams, both for Claflin and Quivira Heights, and uh, there was a little animosity early on, as there always is with any kind of a co- consolidation. You know, you get one community who says, "Well, it's our kids that are holding up this end of the bargain," but uh, truthfully, uh, with this group of, of athletes and kids. Uh, you're getting a great mix of classling kids and a great mix from the uh, Holyrood and the Bushton area from the old Kew Heights Thunderbirds teams. And, and together, uh, you know, you take two traditionally rich areas of talent and put them together, and really they've been unstoppable uh, since they've become the Oilers for the last four years.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great insight and great storyline There is, Like you said, Hanover was the last team that Bushton played in the state championship game. So we go to the state championship Saturday. Uh, Give us uh, maybe some keys to victory that the Oilers need to Need to take
1: to the game and what will get them that 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 trophy. Well, the thing that the Oilers need to do, Jeremy, is they need to play their style of football. And what many people think is they they see you've got a talented junior quarterback who started as a sophomore last year. Lane Bieberly is one of the highest football IQ kids I've seen. I cover five A and six A football on a regular basis and have for about five years now. And Bieberly has one of the highest football IQs I've ever seen he may not be the absolute fastest or the most gifted kid on the field but he does have some speed he can catch anything and he is a game changer anytime he changes the ball with that being said you've got that dynamic duo the thing that is the staple of chris steiner's team is his offensive and his defensive line that's the thing that has stood out to me the most is how dominant, the guys up front have been Michael Lamach, Tristan Kraft, and Michael Ryan are the three guys that anchor down the defensive line. Then you have Mike Ryan, Tristan Kraft, and throw their there Trey Schulte, a sophomore, on the offensive line. And those kids have single-handedly just walked their way through the playoffs. They got it done against South Central. Um, obviously, they got it done against Spearville. And the way that defensive line was able to hold a very talented and a well-coached City Eagles team to a shutout victory um, in the sub-state championship is absolutely unbelievable. You don't see good eight-man teams shut out, and, and that's what happened because of the defensive line play up front. So you think about the the high-scoring offense, you think about the talented quarterback and the great receiver combo, but the thing that just powers this engine for Central Plains is the line play up front, and that's going to be the big key to this game. Will they be able to mix it up with the uh, line play of the Hanover Wildcats, who have been so impressive and you know when you look at some of the teams they have played and the teams they have beaten to get here, they've had a very outstanding season. One would only hope, at least if you're a Central Plains fan, is that Hanover hasn't seen that kind of line play all season long. And anybody that's coming to the game on Saturday, that is the area you'll want to watch first: is that offensive and defensive line. And then number two, if you get a chance, do watch that six-two, one hundred ninety-seven pound junior quarterback and Braden Kreutz, he's really impressive when he stands up in the pocket and he looks down the field and you're going to hear Kreitz to Bieberly or Kreitz to Lomach, those are his two favorite targets Lane Bieberly is, is the senior we just spoke about and, and Mike Lomach is a kid that doesn't get a whole lot of credit but he's the one that if you put all of your uh, defensive specialists on Bieberly, he can burn you one on one on the other side so uh, that's a couple things that definitely fans want to make sure that they watch for the game on Saturday
0: Oh, this is shaping up to be a great game, and, and we've previewed Hanover before this, and and talking about Central Plains now, and you've talked about the defensive line that Central Plains has. It is kind of a rock for them, and Hanover does like to score points, so it should be a should be a good matchup with the 12-0 teams. And, and Patrick, thanks for previewing Central Plains for us. Um, they'll have the call as he has all throughout the playoffs there on KVGB FM and Eagle Radio. Uh, Patrick, thanks for joining us, and hopefully we'll see you Saturday. Sounds great, Jeremy. Thank you. There you have it. A closer look at each school that will take the field for the eight-man state championship coming up November 22nd. Again, the Division II game will start at 11 o'clock, and eight-man Division I will be at 3.30. And those can be watched online if you can't make the trip to Newton at kshsaanetwork.com. Be sure to catch a sub-state football game this Friday. For all the other classifications, you can go to kshsaa.org for the times and locations of those competitions squaring off Friday, November 21st. November 29th, we will crown the rest of the state football champions as 6A will be in Emporia State, 5A, Pittsburgh State University, 4A Division I, Topeka USD 501, Hummer Sports Park. Class 4A Division II will be in Salina, Class 3A at Hutchinson Community College, and Class 21A, Fort Hayes State University on Lewis Field Stadium. Thank you for joining us on this KSHSAA podcast. We'll see you next time.